0: Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel according to John, the first chapter, verses one through 14. Listen now for God's word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The title of the sermon is Living in the Light. So here we are the day after Christmas, when who knows who will show up for our viewing audience or even here in worship. So many are still caught in the afterglow of Christmas, as it should be. Even celebrations of the holy birth of the baby Jesus. And yet here we are. Here we are. What is left? We are left with light, the undeniable, brilliant, radiant light that came into the world in human form in Jesus to reassure us that we will forever be connected to the divine and that who we are as human beings is enough, that we are loved and that we are not and will never be alone. God in all of God's glory gave us each a gift, a gift of light and the promise that darkness will not and will not ever overcome it. Not on this day or any day. So how can we radiate the evidence of that light? For that is what we are called to do as followers of Jesus. I have two stories for you this morning of examples of how people have radiated light. The first comes from Elizabeth Gilbert. You may know her as the New York Times bestselling author of Eat, Pray, Love, and many other books, as well as she's a journalist. She says, for some years ago, she was was stuck on a crosstown bus in New York City during rush hour. Traffic was barely moving, and the bus was filled with cold, tired people who were deeply irritated with one another and with the world itself. Two men barked at each other about a shove that might or might not have been intentional. A pregnant woman got on, and no one offered her a seat. Rage was in the air. No mercy was found there. But as the bus approached 7th Avenue, the driver got on the intercom. Folks, he said, I know you've had a rough day, and you're frustrated. I can't do anything about the weather or the traffic, but here's what I can do. As each one of you gets off the bus, I will reach out my hand to you. And as you walk by, drop your troubles into the palm of my hand. Okay, don't take your problems home to your families tonight. Just leave them here with me. My route goes right by the Hudson River and when I drive by there later, I will open the window and throw your troubles out into the water. It was as if a spell had lifted, Gilbert says. Everyone burst out laughing. Faces gleamed and were surprised with delight. People who had been pretending for the past hour not to notice each other's existence were suddenly grinning at each other, like, is this guy serious? Oh, he was serious, all right. At the next stop, just as he promised, the driver reached out his hand, palm up, and waited. One by one, All the exiting commuters placed their hand just above his and mimed the gesture of dropping something into his palm. Some people laughed as they did this. Some teared up, but everyone did it. The driver repeated the same lovely ritual at the next stop too, and the next, all the way to the river. The other story is a personal one. Some of you know that my mother died last month on November 15th. Just two weeks before that, she had been playing bridge with friends and uh, walking around and living on her own in her own apartment in Vero Beach, Florida. She'd had some health issues, but nothing which my three sisters and I felt was putting her at risk for her untimely death. But she fell and she broke her elbow and her clavicle. And then that led to a series of other events, which prompted doctors to call all of us and her two granddaughters to Florida to say our final goodbyes. We were shocked. I was supposed to have been going to San Francisco the next day for a training, but quickly scrambled to change my flight and got on a plane that evening along with my daughter, Pete. Mom had decided to go on a ventilator so that she would be stable enough and alive until all of us could get there. She had developed a lung condition which required it. So a little, hour, a little over 12 hours later, Peyton and I were at her bedside. She was heavily sedated, but she could just barely shake her head yes and no. My two other sisters and niece arrived from Virginia that early that morning too, joining the sister who lives in Florida. We were all there. We all had our loving moments with her. We told her how much we loved her, and how grateful we were for all that she had given us, and that if she needed to let go, that that was okay. Then the doctors gave us news that she'd stabilized and that they would wait to see what happened. That allowed the four sisters to begin to talk. You see, one of my sisters had been estranged from the rest of us at her choice for the last three and a half years. The rest of us had been pretty devastated by her lack of communication, especially since she was in the caregiving role of my mother. She took this time when we first gathered, the first time we had seen each other in three and a half years in the ICU waiting room to apologize and to say she was ready for the estrangement to end. She wanted to take a step towards reconciliation. I burst out into tears and went to hug her and tell her I loved her along with my brother-in-law. As dark as it was in that waiting room, the light was undeniably shining through. Mom's wishes were being honored. She wanted us all connected. Light was everywhere. The next morning, my two younger sisters and niece had planned to leave to go home to Virginia. They were driving. We thought that she might have a long haul, but based on what we were hearing, she was going to live, albeit differently. And then a new doctor came in to give us more news. She had miraculously cleared the ARDS, the infection in her lungs, which was unheard of, and was doing well enough that they could pull her off the vent. So we had to decide what to do if she suddenly took a downturn after they pulled her off the ventilator. We rallied together and the doctors removed the tubes. We went in and again there was light all around. She was off sedation and able to whisper to each of us over and over again, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then had an individual message for each of us about our unique relationship with her. The presence of God was undeniably there in that room, in a divine and yet very human sense. Her faith grounded her so she could communicate as she wished as well. I sang to her a little, some of her favorite hymns and songs. And we had more time during the day The next morning before we went to the airport, Peyton and I had more loving words with her. But we saw she was struggling. She had made a downturn for the worse over the night. And we knew that she didn't want to live like this and so we admitted her into hospice and she died the next day, surrounded by love and light. I'm comforted by more of the words of Elizabeth Gilbert. She says this, we live in a hard world. Sometimes it is extra difficult to be a human being. Sometimes you have a bad day and sometimes you have a bad day that lasts for several years. You struggle and fail, you lose jobs, money, friends, faith, and love. You witness horrible events unfolding in the news and you become fearful and withdrawn. There are times when everything seems clothed in darkness. You long for the light but don't know where to find it. But what if you and I are the light? What if You and I are the very agents of illumination that a dark situation begs for. That's what the bus driver showed those people and what my mother gave her family. That anyone can be the light at any moment, even on a deathbed. The bus driver wasn't some big power player. He wasn't a spiritual leader. He wasn't some media savvy influencer. He was a bus driver, one of society's most invisible workers. But he possessed real power and he used it beautifully for others. My mother, sick in a bed, used her love to shine light and love to bring all of her daughters together. So reconciliation could occur. We have been given a light the light came into the world and the darkness has not and will never overcome it. We desperately need it. So what will you do wherever you are to be God's light in the world around you? It may be with the cashier in the grocery store or the FedEx driver or even with an estranged relative How does the fact that the light came into the world in this time change who you are and how you are? We all need to share our light. It's part of who we are as a people of faith. Together, empowered by God, our lights will shine out and lift the world in need of hope. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen.